Hey there, Reggie, Weekend Watcher. It's just Suka, and I had a question about what your favorite documentary was. Um, if you could give us a breakdown and review of it, and maybe give us your all-time favorite across any platform, or I was also hoping to get some advice on Netflix uh, documentaries, because that's what I watch. And if you've watched Last Chance You, that's my favorite sports one, and more of like heavy hitters, serious topics. I liked the 13th and Khalif Browder. But uh, if you could give any advice or your breakdown and review of those or your favorite documentaries, I'd be forever grateful. Thank you. Well, there is a sports documentary that I am just absolutely in love with. It is super interesting. It's about uh, a pitcher from the 1970s, a guy by the name of Doc Ellis, who played for the Pittsburgh Pirates at the time. And he pitched a no-hitter in San Diego while super high on LSD. I mean, it's super interesting in and of itself, but that's just one small part of his life. And hold hold on. What what day is it? Oh god, I don't have the I don't have the energy to be doing a rundown all by myself. Oh god, it's it's time for a team up. I can't do this all. When you heard the theme music, this is it. this is to let you know I'm doing a team up this week. This is one of my favorite kinds of shows where I get to team up, uh, team up with another podcaster to talk about a movie or show that isn't receiving very much attention. That's just crazy and worth your time, or at least we both think it's worth your time. This week we are taking on No No, a documentary. This is the story of Doc Ellis, a picture that's most well known when anybody does know his name, for mm, pitching a no-hitter super high on LSD. <laughs> and if that's not interesting enough, he had a lot more going on in his life. I mean, this this documentary covers race politics in the 1960s and 70s. It, it, involve, it involves uh, the problems of employment, the problems of uh, being like being, being black in the 1960s and 70s and playing in pro baseball and also had you know substance abuse domestic violence a lot you name it it has it well i'm running this down with suka from strippernomics the strippernomics podcast has worked out to be one of my favorite podcasts to get into recently uh it is headed up by or hosted rather by suka who talks a lot about finance and financial uh financial management with you know, with the perspective of a person that comes from the adult entertainment industry. She also does another podcast called Strippers with Anxiety. You want to know why, like, you see a through line there? Oh, my God. She's super bright, huge for a sports fan, and honestly, just a hell of a charming human being. One of my favorites. Well, I've wasted enough of your time. Let's get on with it. All right. So we're hitting and sitting here with Suka from, well, you can introduce yourself. Uh, I do a pod with a couple other girls, strippers with anxiety, and then I try to help people with finances on my own um, for kind of towards the adult entertainment industry with just my own pod called Suka, <laughs> Stripernomics, <laughs> that I got from you, actually. You helped me with that name. <laughs> oh, but I mean, that's one of the things I love about podcasts is you can always strip it, like just throw on a cute name, and by the, by the way, like, not going to take full like full responsibility for stripperonics, but it is no, a damn cute name, 
And I will tell you, like, it has so much applicability for people really outside of the adult entertainment world, for people in, like, the world. Uh, yeah, because <laughs> yeah, for for all of us civilians uh, out here, <laughs> so it like it's it's brilliant. And Suka is actually one of the like I found you guys by accident, I, you know, because you're prolific and whatnot. Uh, <laughs> I found the first <laughs> podcast, uh, Strippers with Anxiety, like four months ago, something like that, uh, and yeah. it, it's been a fun roller coaster ride. Yeah, it has. It's been pretty good, and we've listened to yours. I think, I think um, my friend Summer, she listens to yours. As do I. So we're all fans of yours too. That's really sweet. So we're we're uh, going to be running down. We are running down. I call it rundowns because you know this is fun to talk about. Uh, we're gonna be talking about the documentary. It's on U.S. Netflix, and if you want to find it somewhere else, uh, do you have a, another recommendation? Um, I found it online, streaming through, okay. uh, yeah, <laughs> a documentary website. So it, really, I, I kind of look it up, folks. <laughs> look it up. Uh, it's, yeah, it's currently on U.S. Netflix, or if you know you have any kind of other methods, use that. And it's called No No, a documentary. So good. All right. <laughs> so, uh, let me give some quick background on No No, a documentary. It's, it's following up on a, on a, crazy probably one of the craziest stories in all of baseball a man who pitched a no-hitter doc ellis he pitched a no-hitter while he was lit up on lsd and (laughs) yeah right and uh (laughs) what you get is a story um not just that story but what is way way more you get something way bigger than just this one little story in his life do you yeah, think that's fair to say? I definitely. I think you get so much. There's way more than I ever anticipated out of a documentary about a baseball player, even though you you know you're watching it about someone who pitched a no-no on LSD. But you, there's just so much to that documentary. It's unbelievable. So much. Yeah, it's a uh, <laughs> – I mean, I, I joke about it with my, my friends because I watched it a long time ago, and then I – like you're the one that reminded me uh, of it, uh, but I joke with my friends that it is just a roller coaster of emotion. Very much so. It was way more emotional than probably any sports documentary I've ever watched in my life. Yeah, I mean, they're just high highs where you know it, they're fun, cute stories of of totally. you know pitching a no hitter on 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 acid. There are <laughs> heart like just heart wrenching stories that involve, for example, Jackie Robinson. Oh, by the way, let me so, like, oh my God, Suka. Uh, there is a. I usually have like a, a no spoilers rules on on regular okay. movies, but documentaries you can look up online. Like you can just look at Wikipedia. So yes. yes, we can spoil. Yes. Yes. All right. I'm so down to spoil because there are so many funny things and yet cute things. And, like, I just, I found that, like, the movie, honestly, my favorite is that he wore curlers on the field. <laughs> and everyone makes oh my a God. big deal of it. <laughs> and this is one of the, like, honestly, this is one of the, this is one of the stories that starts off, like, starts yeah. off the dock. Um, yeah. So is this your hook? Is this the thing that hooked you in? This made me go, oh, my God, what is going on? I love this man. <laughs> I just so, love him. <laughs> 
the the story is actually pretty straightforward and at the same time hyper devious. Um, yeah, totally. So Doc, Doc Ellis, a pitcher by trade, uh, played during a time where you know in in major league sports they were super they were super into cheating. This is the deflate gate of his time and how he, he would wear curlers on a field from time to time. <laughs> and he would and he would do that because he knew that he knew that you know the product he had in his hair plus sweat would make you know would allow him to cheat the foreign substance rule while he was pitching. Brilliant. <laughs> too good. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's just too good. Like, and, and to see him, yeah, he looks ridiculous, of course, but at yeah. the same time, is he was like he made this an issue with the with the with his bosses. He made this an issue with the owners. He made this, but he was able to he was able to cheat the rules in the most creative, clever way I think I've ever heard. Ever. It's it's a, honestly that story right there just <laughs> something else. He was just, honestly I feel like he was such a I don't know for his time he was so I don't know more than what you could ever think of for like when he was there because this was in the seventies right? Yes, yes. Yeah, so he was just so much more than anything. He was kind of like you know that how recently people have been saying like shut up and dribble kind of thing I kind of yeah. feel like that would have been said to him back then you know but he he did the same thing he was like no I'm just do me you know <laughs> which is great yeah that was awesome and that's brilliant I mean like in all honesty it's brilliant that you bring that up because honestly with uh with this movie there's there's so much layered in there there's 1960s and 1970s race politics there are yes. politics yes. in uh in baseball I mean, because free agency wasn't a thing in baseball until the I think the late 70s yeah so and like just to give anybody that's like not a super big sports fan or, or just only you know a sports fan of the modern era where you have free agency imagine like you have a job and Zuka can 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 verify on this one too imagine you have a job where somebody your your bosses say hey if you don't do this job you can't work anywhere period yeah like you're done you're just done yeah you're done yeah you can you, you can you can work for I don't know this bank, and if you don't you know if you don't work for this bank, you can't work for any bank anywhere ever. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, so like free agency, that's the norm amongst anybody that works anywhere, and that wasn't the norm in sports uh, until you know the seventies, eighties. Yeah, it's so it, honestly, there's so many different things that were going on during that time. Like you said, there's the drugs, obviously, the racism. I found that oh, yeah. the media aspect, you know, the media aspect, because it was so new, I think, media coverage wasn't really, really big until around when he was, you know, this whole thing was taking place. So mm -hmm. I think him having the whole cultural, like the fashion and everything that he was trying to bring to the table reminded me of like AI, like Ellen Iverson. Sorry. Yeah. Obviously, that, that's, I think that's fair. You know? <laughs> That's fair, and I think, like honestly, this is this is a a documentary I put up there on par with one of the ESPN Thirty for Thirties. Absolutely, it's, like it's brilliant. It like it, it it encompasses so much. Like if you want to see, you want to talk race politics, you can talk race politics. If you want to talk if you want to talk baseball politics, you can talk that. If you want to you want to talk about, for example, like domestic violence or something. Yeah, it's all in there. It's 
all of it, everything. There's everything in this movie. It's unbelievable. <laughs> unbelievable. <laughs> Documented <laughs> at it. <laughs> it's yeah. I mean, it, I I called it. I like when I first said when I brought it up. Yeah, I was like, oh, this yeah, this movie is everything. And I and I, it's hard to bill it that way, but it's it's accurately everything. It really um, is. So I I only have really about five questions I go through on these. So for anybody that's un, uninitiated, uh, I always start out with you know what is the hook? What got somebody hooked in? And like Suka took it over on that one. All right, so <laughs> tell me. Uh, like I love that you said that essentially what he did was he was a he was a magician, it, like socially a magician, and uh, and I would have to parallel parallel this back to your show, um, the stripponomic show, uh, more so than the uh, the strippers with anxiety. And I'll do it this way, right? Uh, so sorry, this is going to be a really weird long road to a short to you know a short destination. <laughs> In my head, and I've said this for years, in my head, I look at, uh, you know, femininity as being, essentially doing a magic trick. Uh, and by that, I, I mean this. I look at, you know, I look at my mom, I look at uh, people I grew up with, and it goes like this. With a magic trick, you're hiding a lot of, like, a depth thought, some learning through experience. You're you're hiding, uh, you know, clever positioning and suggestion all behind something that, you know, the viewer thinks they can understand in a second. Oh. And that is, and that's what makes a magic trick work. They, they, you're hiding all of the, like, all this thought into something that somebody thinks they understand in a second, and how they react is the same way with femininity is, uh, you know, with a magic trick. Some people get mad. They'll, they'll be like, that, like, you didn't saw that lady in half. That's not real. They feel and <laughs> yeah, exactly. And really, for me, that's how stripponomics works. That's how your podcast works. Is that you start to like if you're a kind of person that can appreciate a magic trick more when it starts to unfold itself, then this really is the podcast for you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so, yeah, listen, <laughs> long road, short destination, um, but. <laughs> And, and like in in that sense, that's why I was saying like in that sense we can all stand to be a bit more feminine, right? Because that for me that's really kind of the opposite of how I live life. Um, I'm very much on the surface. Yeah, that's a good so, thing, though, right? <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, it's a it's a fair balance. Totally. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a wonderful balance, but. You know, as I said, like you, 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 if somebody were to say, hey, I can understand this woman really quickly because I know that she dances for a living or she takes off her clothes or she does this or that. Oh, she does pole and aerials. Yeah, no, there's a lot more there. Yeah, fair enough. I like that. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> so, and, and, and how I, you know, I always parallel this back to the movie is like, like same with Doc Ellis. You look at him, you're like, oh, yeah, he's, uh, you know, black guy from LA, also a pitcher. Uh, major league pitcher, you know, so you could say dumb jock, you could say, you could say a lot of things, you could paint it however you want, but however you are, you're going to do it, you're probably wrong. Totally, yeah, especially, you know, I think my idea going into watching this documentary was, well, because you know the premise of it going into it, that he hit, or that he pitched a no-no 
on LSD. So you kind of have this one side view of him like, oh, it's just high, you know, like, what's it going to be? But then you realize all the adversity he had to go through and everything, just the difference of culture back then versus now. And you're just, it's, he's kind of inspiring, you know, he is. Oh my God. So. You, oh my God! You're a seasoned pro at this, by the way. This holding like monkey, like monkey bars into my into my, my next the next topic. Tell me one of the most memorable moments for you. Not your hook, but the thing you're just like, oh man, I can. This is a story I can repeat to somebody. This is cocktail stuff. Um, I I honestly think a lot of the. Oh my gosh! You know what I really liked too was. The thing when he kind of got brought back down to life by Ellie, the boxer. So there's oh yeah, that kind of I because (laughs) this is such a well-rounded like documentary, and you know obviously he's really good at his job. He's an amazing Mm -hmm. pitcher, but everybody kind of has to be brought back down sometimes. And I feel like his interaction with Ali was just like, it was that moment, you know, which was kind of like, it was humbling and yet it was entertaining as S. So, Oh my God. No, perfectly. Like highly entertaining. So she's, or she's referring to a point in the, in in the show where uh, he caught it. Doc Ellis was showing off, was showing off his uh, his quick hands of Muhammad Ali, and then doing some like you know some shadow boxing, and then he caught a quick punch. Uh, <laughs> and, it's it, it is what happened. You know what's also really amusing to me is uh, Muhammad Ali at that time, uh, as a heavyweight, I think he was maybe only two hundred ten pounds or so. Oh my gosh! Not a big guy, especially by like by contrast to what we see today. Um, yeah. And I like I contrast. I always contrast everything in myself because I'm I'm a horrible person. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I contrast this with myself is like I I walk around at two sixteen, uh, and I'm six two, so I, I'm I'm maybe an inch and a half taller than uh, than uh, Muhammad Ali, and walk around ten pounds heavier, and uh, I can do backflips. And he never did backflips, so for me this is a straight out comparison. But he would murder me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she was pretty good. <laughs> exactly. So no, yeah, the, that was a great. I thought that was a great memorable moment. I would have to say, for mine, I'll pair it off this way. There's a point where he was reading a personal handwritten letter that was uh, given to him from Jackie Robinson. <gasps> yeah. And like, I I had to catch my breath at one point during the like because. It wasn't just that he got a letter from the, from Jackie Robinson. It was, a, it was a letter from Jackie Robinson thanking him for what he was trying to do to, you know, illuminate what's happening with, with black players. For example, you get screamed out on the field and, and many of the minor leagues uh, and how hard it is to just take it. And Jackie Robinson had to take it for a career. Yeah. Um, and then – in this like very heart wrenching moment, uh, where he like he breaks up, he's having a hard time. All of a sudden, you hear Doc just go, <laughs> it broke the mood for me. It was so good. Oh, my God. oh God, it was I, like I in that for me that's sort of the movie in a nutshell where it has a man that is entertaining and interesting and emotional. And then he's able to kind of snap you back to like, 
having some fun. Yeah. That's because I feel like that was kind of his MO. He just wanted to have fun. You know, his life mission was just to have fun and enjoy his gift, really, you know, which was pitching his arm. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah, you you play a game for a living. You have to make sure you have at least a little fun. Right. Uh, well, I mean, that's, that is really a lot of this movie. Let's, let's talk, let's talk Suka. So, uh, a little bit more about yourself. Uh, yeah, no, no, I, I want to, yeah, let's hear a little bit about yourself and then I have a couple of small questions. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> uh, so you, like, you, 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 you do stripperonomics. Uh, you started with strippers and anxiety as far as the podcasting world. You've been a dancer in BC. Uh, lovely, lo- you know. Honestly, I'll tell you. I'll tell you this. When you guys announce that you're in BC, for me, Canada kind of goes as far west as Windsor, <laughs> and then after anything west of that, might as well. You might as well just say you're in Narnia because I won't know the difference. It's like it's all theoretical to me. It's like. Uh, I mean, there are parts of the, there are parts of the U.S. Uh, that are just theoretical to me. Like New Hampshire is just theoretical. That doesn't yeah. exist. It's not a real place. <laughs> it's not it, a real place. Like New Hampshire might that's like saying you live in Wakanda. That just doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> Wakanda. Well, that's a little further. <laughs> it's, it's you know it's just as real in my world. But it, like, so how long have you been out in, in D.C.? I have been in BC for about four years. I've been in Vancouver for two, and I was in a smaller city called Kelowna uh, for two before here. So, yeah, it's it's interesting. <laughs> All right, so explain explain the interest. Has it always been there with like financial instruments and like the, the workings? Um, for me, the whole financial thing is something that I've seen. I've danced since I was really young. I was underage when I started, and I started on the East Coast, actually, in Canada, uh-huh. and um, kind of worked everywhere and decided that I wanted to be in BC at one point, obviously. Um, uh-huh. But through my travels and through watching everything that happened, because I was ridiculously young and it scared me what I'd seen, so I never drank, I never did drugs, and it was just about money for me. Um, I obviously had a strange circumstance that started it for me. It wasn't maybe a normal one. So that's why I was so young. But being young really helped me realize that I needed to do this and save the money because I watched so many girls spend money on these bad things, you know. So I always wanted to try and help girls. And because I was so young, nobody really listened to me. (laughs) But then, you know, I'd see girls go into, quote, unquote, retirement from the industry, and they'd have nothing. And it made me so sad because I knew if they just took a tiny bit of their money and put it away, that they could have so much when they quit, you know. Because the lifespan of a dancer usually is about five to ten years at least, right, kind of the same as pro athletes. So, you know, I, you can get quite a bit out of it, not pro-athlete money, but you yeah. can make good money, you know? 
So I just wanted to help people. So I thought maybe a podcast would reach somebody that wanted to know or somebody that needed help. And then also, like you were saying, it's very layman's terms because, you know, you got to be able to have people understand what you're saying if they want to be interested in actually saving money. No, that's that's brilliant. And, like, honestly, I, I'd have to say it this way is that I come from an economics background. For anybody that doesn't know, uh, I come from an economics background. I do people's math for a living. And by people, I mean I do large businesses' math for a living. Uh, but I'm not an accountant because I don't have very much respect for accountants. Sorry, accountants, unless you're uh, an actuary. Actuaries are cool. Actuaries are cool. No, actuaries are cool. Every single one I've worked with has been great. Um, But, like – uh, in in like in my tradition, like the tradition I I studied under, like in economics, there is there are people like me that say like hey, we have a little bit more trust for people that have skin in the game, for people that that do the thing, right? Um, like who do you want to take more advice from when it comes to you know pitching? Somebody that pitches or somebody that says they watch pitching on the TV for thirty years? Okay, fair enough. Well said. <laughs> So, like, for me, like, I, I, I love the topics that you pick because they're very much topics that you have an authority over uh, because you're living them right there. And that's yeah. brilliant. Yeah. All through trial and error, definitely. <laughs> trial and error. Exactly. And, it, and like, and it teaches you, and like, it teaches you to, to, to manage risk. And I, one of the, you brought this up in one of your early episodes. Uh, by the way, guys, if, you're ever recording with me it's because i'm a fan (laughs) (laughs) um but in one of your early episodes you said early on that like you got to be careful that lifestyle doesn't catch you and that is not uh that that is not something that's you know restricted to stripping that's something that is that's life yeah that's true actually that is very true i think a lot of people they take things for granted while they have them and it could go with any aspect of your life, whether it's financial or whatever. But I think people just take them for granted while they have them. And then when things are gone, you lose your job, you lose whatever it is. Then all of a sudden they're yeah. sitting there going, oh, my God. <laughs> well, you have to prepare for those moments. So. Well, and, you, and you, like, you made a really good point that, yeah, you stripper retirement is, you know, five to ten years. But at the same time, no matter where you work, your, goal, your job is going to go away at one point. You're going to walk away or it's going to walk away from you. Totally, totally. So, you know, being caught unaware becomes less of an option. You, like, you know that you're you're going to leave your workplace and it's going to change at some place, at some point. Yeah, exactly. For you, it's yeah. a little bit more on the surface, I'm guessing, because you've probably seen people get, you know, put out the pasture. Booted. <laughs> Bye. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I I've worked, I mean, I've worked for for like internet companies in the past. Like the internet startup world is it's crazy, and I've seen people oh, get called into work and then get dropped at eight o'clock on a Monday uh, on a Tuesday morning. Gosh, oh my gosh, yeah, and that's it's not really crazy. Yeah, that's just too like that's a, such a high paced industry. I could only imagine how that would go. Yeah, I mean, and you would hope. I mean, you you hope that you negotiate a, a a fair enough wage or a high enough wage that if you get dropped on Tuesday morning, you'll be fine uh, yeah. for you know next month or the month after that. But yeah. as, as, like that was why I liked one of your early episodes is like if lifestyle doesn't catch up with you, you will be fine. 
Yeah. 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 I think that that's kind of something that, you know, we can all only do so much to ensure we have a stable job, right? No matter what it is. So it's definitely stripping is, you know, you really have to take care of yourself if you want it to last a long time. You can't be eating bonbons all day. (laughs) You know, you have to have, you have to prove that you have some value. And a lot of times youth is value in that industry. So you can't be doing it forever. (laughs) No, and it, like yeah, and and like myself, like I, for anybody that, that doesn't, I played I played rugby in college, and I also like I I compete in uh prof- and like professional, not really professional, um, uh, grappling, uh, submission wrestling tournaments, and yeah, I mean it's, it's you can only do that for so many years. I mean you can technically do it like well in your fifties, but at the same time, is like I can only you can only toss around twenty year olds for so long. Well, I could only imagine like. Rugby, we actually, in Vancouver, we just had, um, I think it's called the Sixth or something tournament. They do it every year. Oh, Sevens. Four years. The Sevens, yeah. So they do it for four years in the same place, and I believe that this was the last year for Vancouver. So I see rugby players, and they're, they're big boys, and they scare me because they're large, <laughs> and I'm not large. But they, yeah. honestly, I've watched rugby, and it's actually – Physically, I cannot watch it. It hurts me because they put themselves through so much. It's insane. So their bodies take up beating. But that's with anything, like, especially if you have something physical, like you're saying, rugby or tossing around 20-year-olds, your body's going to give out on you eventually. So Yeah, after a while. I mean, I, I stepped away from rugby. I stepped away from rugby. I, I lived out of the country for a while. Uh, I lived in Europe for a while. Then I came back. When I came back to the States, I didn't have, like, I had, some money, but I didn't have health insurance. Um, so, like, I was going to start playing with another league, and then I was, and then I stopped and thought, and I was like, wait a second. Oh God, if I break a collarbone or uh, you know need another surgery or something like that, that's going to be tough news. So I gotta like, yeah, I gotta shut that mess down. I could only imagine. Yeah, there's not very much money in it. I, I mean, I've had friends that played uh, for, like, USA I, – I think I had one friend that played for USA, USA 7s. 7s is a high-paced game, probably one of the most high-paced versions of rugby ever. But, yeah, it's not much money in it. No. See, that's the thing, too, I think, that people – like, you really got to love the sport, I think, that people don't yeah. realize that certain sports, you've got to love them. Like, lacrosse, I don't even know if you get paid – <laughs> like at all, you know. I but like, yeah. Not much. I mean, I had a neighbor who was uh who was in the uh, 2000 Olympics. Oh wow! Uh, and she, oh my god, she's she's wonderful, and she is she is as feminine as it gets. Meaning, like, it's all a magic trick. She's yeah. also a uh, genetic biologist. Oh wow! Uh. So definitely just an overachiever in, in virtually everything she does. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> but yeah, it's as, as I said, like part of part of what makes uh, No No a documentary work, and what makes uh, Zuka's podcast work, and also made my neighbors like life work, is that it's there's just a lot more uh, than you would than you can understand in a second. And when you you know when you learn that there's a lot more. Uh, how do you choose to react? <laughs> For me, sit and listen is really is probably the best one. 
Yeah, that documentary is amazing. Amazing. So I have one question for you. Completely on podcast okay. related. <laughs> Ooh. So okay, let's see about this. Four. Right? Are you excited? <laughs> Get fired up. <laughs> Wait, what was that? Um, Get fired up. <laughs> um, oh, I'm there. <laughs> so my question is, you had mentioned before that you used to do busker work. So you were a busker. And I, I was, was a busker. What it was that you did as a busker. <laughs> so I, uh, God, uh, I played music uh, in downtown street corners and uh, on my, on like my off days and on the weekends uh, in Germany. Oh, wow. Uh, so I, I played, I usually played music about twice, three times a week. And on the off days, I would, I would like a Saturday, Sunday or a holiday or whatever. I would choose, I would choose a, a street corner and, Try to get high traffic and yeah, play some music, sing, uh, go go crazy. But like, and I'll I'll tell you like the return on being a decent busker on a good day was about let's see, it was about twenty eight euros an hour was about as good as I got. Um, and at that time, that was about fifty six bucks an hour. Not bad. <laughs> not bad no, yeah, it's not it's not bad for. For you know, I, I was going to be playing music anyway. Yeah, so you might as well do it and, and prosper at the same time in some way, right? Yeah, yeah. The only the only thing you learn is that you bore yourself really quickly with your own set list. <laughs> I feel that. <laughs> so yeah, I, I played. Uh, I, I I have I have about I play about eight instruments uh, well enough to play out and record and whatever. Oh my uh, god! And there. Uh, yeah, my mom made me play music since I was a little boy, and uh, it stuck. Uh, <laughs> so I there I played guitar and I played mandolin. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yep, keeps me busy, and that's part. You know, actually, this this leads me into I have a closing game I I, I want to be able to play, um, and so. For anybody that's new, that like this is a new thing that I'm doing. I I lead a weird life. I do weird stuff. So we're gonna play a version of Two Truths and a Lie, uh, where I'll tell you know Two Truths and a Lie, and Suka will try to figure out you know which one which one's a lie, and then she'll do the same uh, you know she'll do the same with me. Uh, so who do you want who what do you, who do you want to go first? You. <laughs> I'm going to go backwards. I'm going to work backwards. So the farm, Ooh. 
I, I feel like is a truth. I just feel like very well rounded. So I feel like it has to be true. <laughs> um, Portuguese. That is a hard language. Mm. Oh, I don't want to say no, though, because I feel like there's just so much you know, and you've been to Europe, which, I mean, Portugal is pretty south. It's part but, of there. It's, it's there. <laughs> but my, I'm, like, geographically figuring it out. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm going to say the Portuguese is, is the lie. Okay, so let's take this in order. Uh, I was in a commercial for Catholicism. That is absolutely true. Uh, I can sing sing in Portuguese. I can do that right now. I I never worked on a farm, uh, but I did work at a farmer's market for a summer. That was a trick question. Gotta be tricky. That's true. Fair enough. That's very true. Okay. So, so the, the singing in Portuguese kind of part came as a uh, came as a surprise. Yeah, well, yeah, because I <laughs> I have a friend that's Brazilian and he speaks Portuguese, and obviously I don't know if people know that, <laughs> but Brazilian people speak Portuguese. That's but, um, always helpful. <laughs> it is a little helpful to know that, right? But yeah, mm-hmm. I I think it's a really really tough language. When I hear it, I'm like, mm, wait, what? Hold on, back up, <laughs> slow down. Wait, huh? I just get very confused with that language. <laughs> it is. It gets a little confusing, but at the same time, is it's already built like a song. Oh, that's a good way of looking at a language. That makes it sound it really is, beautiful. <laughs> no, it's a very, it's a very beautiful language. Um, yeah, I, 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 I sing in Portuguese. It's like a thing that I do every now and again, especially like if I'm doing like a samba song or like uh, uh, bossa nova or something like that. That's awesome. Look at you. All right, your turn. <laughs> your turn. All right, so me, I'm going to say, let's see what I can say. Um, okay, I'll trick you. Ooh, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, I'm a huge sports fan, right? Let's, let's pretend. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, so am I a huge sports fan? I don't know. Um, okay, so I've been in music videos. Let's go with that as a one. Two, uh, I've been to numerous stadiums, almost all stadiums for every sport. And number three, my degree is in finance. Okay, huh. there you go. <laughs> Which one's a lie? <laughs> okay, so you were in a music video. You have been to virtually, I think, I swear to God, if there is, like, if you're just hanging out in a Drake video somewhere, I'm going to, I'm going to smash my brain on a wall. But that is going to be the lie. That's, the, that's um, not the lie. That's not the lie. Oh, God. <laughs> I have been to... Many. I've actually been in a lot of music videos. I actually am shooting another one in about a week. A week. A week Jesus. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, kind of this weird thing that I seem to be like. This sounds so bad, and I don't mean any disrespect to anybody who does it, but I randomly end up as a video ho quite a lot. So. <laughs> no, there's a talent there. 
for anybody like for anybody that thinks like being anybody I like I said I've been in a comer I've been in a couple commercials at this point and uh it's boring and yeah. <laughs> and like you have to like listen you have to like engage imagine you're in the most boring meeting of your entire life and somebody can like smash together to look interesting for uh, the course of 2 minutes yeah yeah. And you're there for four hours. Yep. I kind of, like, I, I did a lot of acting for a little while, like, background and stuff, and just a ton of different things. And videos, music videos ended up being just a niche, I guess. I ended up fitting in very well, so that's why I've done so many. But being on set is something that is more boring than anything. I kind of relate it to sitting in cafeteria when you're in school. Yeah. And there's, like... Yeah cool kids there's not cool kids and you're just like waiting your turn to, for your presentation and you and all of a sudden it's like go <laughs> presentation oh, no. you know? and the worst thing the worst part of it all is like like the reason why you get asked back and this is i got this is well me knowing you like hyper personally but the reason why you get asked back at least from my like i have a couple friends that you know film stuff is because a you don't whine or complain Never. <laughs> B, you're not a jerk, and then C, you're not staring into the camera's lens the entire time. That's yes. the whole. That's how you get yes. invited back. It's, a, it's the truth. It's so true. Those are the exact qualifications you need. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly like, it. I like in 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 a, in a commercial that I was in. I was lit, like I was supposed to be at a rest. We were in a restaurant, so we were in a restaurant for like three hours. And I had to be there at, I think we were there at, oh, God, like 6 o'clock in the morning or whenever sunlight hit until lunch. And I'm supposed to be on a date, right? And the deal with the date is that you're talking with your date and they are not staring off at this this random point in space. (laughs) Oh, God. Like, it's not hard to get asked back, ladies and gentlemen. No, All you have to do is pretend to do what you're supposed to be doing. <laughs> exactly. Mouthing what? words, not actually talking if you're in the background. <laughs> Just not yeah. a lot. Oh my god. Yeah, she was the worst. She was she yeah. was the worst because she just kept on every every like fifteen seconds staring into the cli- into the camera and I'm like, Hey, I'm over here Stop on it. your pretend okay. date. Oh my god, pretend date, I'm over here. That's amazing. Oh, oh my God. Yeah, it's that is pretty much how it works. The good thing is I didn't have to be eating. I never wanted to eat on camera because I hear a friend of mine told me that you got to do it over and over again, and I can't be doing oh. it. Oh. That just does not sound fun. Oh, it's painful. Me. <laughs> right? It's Well, yeah, like eating like cold, congealed, uncomfortable food over and over again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not yeah. a thing. No, not something I want on my uh, to-do list in life, <laughs> that's for sure. But that is, yeah, that's that that's that's two truths and a lie. I like this. This is this actually made the uh, this made me smile. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. I like that. All right, well, uh, that pretty much wraps up the podcast. Suka, I want you to hold on for a second. Uh, and uh, if anybody wants to find her, I'm if you're listening on Anchor uh, or Anchor FM, depending on how you look at the app, uh, I'm going to be posting something from her a, a little, you know, 
around this time, and you can hit the gold star. In fact, I recommend hit the gold star. Uh, Suka, it's up to you. You can say do the thing. Do the thing. All right, so here comes the point where I get to close out the episode as well as clean up some errors that were made throughout the power process of that interview, you know, throughout the podcast. So first off, Yusuka at Strippernomics, you can find in a couple of places. Uh, both her podcasts are available on most platforms, but the first podcast we'll bring up really quickly is called Strippers with Anxiety. Uh, it's, it's a collection of friends. I've already done an interview with them, uh, but it's a collection of friends that happen to work at a strip club, strip club and want to talk work, want to talk life. And usually this is in the back room at work. Highly entertaining, super different mode than Strippernomics, which is more of a personal finance type podcast, but aimed at, really, I say it's aimed at everybody. If you give it a chance, it definitely applies to you. So you can find both of those there. Uh, You can find her in both of those places, both Strippers with Anxiety, the podcast, and um, Strippernomics, the podcast. Also, uh, let's clean up some errors that I made throughout the process of this interview. First off, when I was quoting Muhammad Ali's size, I actually was thinking back to a story. So I'm dead wrong. He was about 235-ish during his heavyweight reign. But I was thinking of stories of Joe Lewis. Uh, And Joe Lewis, you know, at that time, the heavyweight division, by by the way, this is deep into history. Joe Lewis, uh, the heavyweight division in the early 1900s, was a bit smaller than it is now, of course. Uh, but yeah, I was wrong about Muhammad Ali. And I was more correct towards the end of uh, Joe Lewis. Another minor correction is that uh, the uh, the free agency ended at, like started itself in, in the MLB around 1975, 1976. So I, you know, wasn't that far off. I don't do very much research when I'm like rattling off these facts. They're all coming off my brain. And for anybody who wants to catch me, Weekend Watcher, I am going to be on the weekends, of course, doing my normal podcast. However, you can be on a lookout on Strippernomics because there's going to be a team up in that direction. Uh, it just ha- like We're talking out schedule and format right now, and that's one fun one to look, you know, look for on the horizon. Well, if anybody wants to contact me, you can find me on Instagram at OnlyWeekendWatcher. It's maybe the most lonely Instagram of all time because I don't update it. I use it mostly for booking. And also, if you'd like to book or talk, uh, you can catch me on Anchor, the uh, the platform Anchor or Anchor FM, or uh, my email address, onlyweekendwatcher at gmail.com. All right, folks, had so much fun. And honestly, we developed this episode in our de- and you know, are pushing it out in time for the beginning of the regular season of baseball. So for everybody that's a baseball fan out there, and for those of you that aren't, let's play ball. <laughs>